Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. How are you guys doing? Are we back to how you guys are doing? How are you guys doing? Is that is that where we're at? We get to episode 100, you clear it, and then we just straight back at it. I mean, unless, unless like, I got something specific, you know. Kyle, I'm sick of you phoning it in. <laughs> Miking it in? Um, as an MIC, not... Ah, Mike too Terry. late. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the real problem with ARC Troopers. Um, we're going to talk about the game that Mike and Zach played in our campaign thingy, which we got to come up with a better name for than campaign thingy. Um, And uh, we're going to do some objective 101 with moisture evaporators. So uh, first, let's do housekeeping. Housekeeping. So a couple of housekeeping items. The fifth trooper is doing a giveaway for our troopers in combination with the Legion Discord. So um, basically, you uh, just send an email. The details are all on the Discord, um, but you send an email to the Discord email address uh, with if you got like a cancellation email from um, from Asmodee or uh, if your local store didn't get any or didn't get your pre-order, just let them know and send them an email basically saying that, and then there'll be a random drawing. And we have a non-zero quantity of arcs that were that were donated um, so that we will be giving away. Did I get the gist right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's pretty legit. Uh, clearly, there's been some uh problems so this is this is a pretty awesome thing that uh is being able to happen um yeah here why don't i actually i'm gonna do a live read here because i want to make sure i get the details right so uh hey troopers the fifth trooper and legion discord are teaming up to get you republic art troopers we know that these are tough times and everything is a little upside down so we are bringing holidays early we had a number of anonymous donors sent in to add to the pool of art troopers all you have to do is like the Fifth Trooper Facebook page, then email us at thelegiondc at gmail.com with your Asmodee slash miniature market slash any other company rejection email and your Discord handle. We have a limited supply and we'll be choosing at random. The drawing will take place on September 14th. That was awesome. Do you think when they were talking about things that were upside down, they were specifically talking about Zach's Arc Troopers? Oh man, I don't know if it's upside down, um, but we'll get into it in a little bit. But yeah, gravity's at work with these bad boys. <laughs> you got me good there. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that next. Um, in housekeeping, we also have a Patreon, uh, which is the Fifth Trooper Patreon. You can check that out at thefifthtrooper.com slash Patreon if you're interested in supporting all the different things that we do, not only this podcast, but also the Fifth Trooper podcast. Um and the blog articles and the streaming and all that fun stuff. So Legion HQ. Legion HQ, yep, the list builder. Um so yeah, check that out and uh, give us some support. So let's launch into news. 
Welcome to In the News. So, uh, there's a big problem with our troopers. You want to tell us about it, Zach? They don't exist uh, in a lot of stores, and also the flight stands are finicky to say the least <laughs> but, but what's the bigger of the two problems let's be let's be abundantly clear here the fact that they're not available for sure um Ugh. for me as someone that is fortunate to have some the bigger issue is definitely this flight stand which i have right here in my hand uh and it's 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 hard to kind of compartmentalize into the words uh but i'm going to try and do my best here it's almost like these flight stands just said uh, gravity does not exist. And they live in like this perfect world where you think that you can plastic glue them into the position that you want. But gravity, for those of you at home that have, you know, taken science class at some point in life, you know this word exists and you know what it does. There's gravity at play here, even with this tiny miniature. Um so the issue that I have with this flight stand is number one, it's super long. It's 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 a lot long. Like I I knew they were going to be different, and I knew and I like the curvature of, of the flight stand, but this is one of the longer ones, and it's it's super long. Um, number two, the contact point of where you need to glue it is not a fun. It's not a fun spot. It goes on the bottom of the jetpack, and it almost looks like it's supposed to be like a ball bearing that just kind of like pops into the socket, but that's not what it is. You have to glue it to the, to the little like ball bearing spot. And Derek Fuchs came onto the discord and he said, plastic glue would work, right? Because it's just the same as like the hard plastic that the model's made of. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that that is a lie. <laughs> maybe it's, well, maybe it's intended. Hold on. Maybe it does work. Hold on. I shouldn't say it's a lie. It works. Clearly, my arc is in it is in position. It won't come off. The, the glue did its job. It didn't go into the position that I wanted because it didn't it doesn't like like the plastic glue doesn't um, solve quick enough for you to get the position that you want unless you want to sit there for 20 minutes because I'm going to try and tell this to you right now. I sat there for a good 10 minutes, maybe more, and I just said, F this, I'm done. Um, I had a screaming baby, not, she wasn't really screaming. She was starting to kind of toss and turn. So I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Uh, she was starting to get hungry and I was like, even when she's hungry, I'm like, I'm going to sit here and get this arc trooper in a position that I want. Um, but truth be told, even with her not actually needing the bottle that I thought she needed and she was fine, she quieted down. I just said, F this arc, it's just going into position that gravity is going to put it into. Um, so my arc trooper is kind of going with like a, a shoulder lean rather than sitting on top of his jetpack. So he's going at like a an angle rather than up up straight. And uh, I have a feeling that this is going to be a, co a common thing with these flight stands. Or I'm just bad with plastic glue. I don't know. It could be it could be one of those. I guess he, um, he looks a little bit like Boba Fett, kind of flying into the sarlacc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um, and you know maybe I'll get better as my as I go along through my arc sets, you know what I mean? And uh but I don't know. I wasn't happy with a lot of the situation, specifically where you have to glue the ball on top of on, on the bottom of the jetpack is kind of a pain. And then having to sit there for 15 to 20 minutes to try and get the position that you want. 
And then you let go of it and think you're good. And I did this several times. I thought I was good. And I'd like sit back and I would just see my arc trooper just start to slowly, you know, move with gravity at work. And uh, I mean, it is what it is. It's still, you know, it still looks good. It's not the position that I wanted, but, you know, it could be worse, you know. Um, I'm happy with the paint job I got out of it. Um, despite if you if you were to really look at my jetpack, you could tell it was destroyed by by plastic glue and I painted over it. But, you know, it's besides the point. You know, I've had this exact problem, Zach, with uh, models on fly sands and plastic glue. And I, in hindsight, and I don't know if this is correct, um, but in hindsight, I feel like the fact that the paint is intervening between the two plastics is partially the issue. I mean, obviously, it doesn't solve quickly or set quickly, right? Because it's plastic glue. And the, the, they have to give a little time for the, the plastics to fuse, right? Because that's what happens. They, the plastic glue melts the plastics into one uniform piece so that there's no join. Right. So it looks like it just flows right into the model. Well, I wouldn't agree with you if my problem was the point of like if my problem was the little ball bearing that goes on the bottom of the jetpack. Hmm. But that glued to the jetpack fine. I waited for that to set. That's fine. So then you take that little it's two plastic pieces. I, I should have brought that down with me. It's upstairs. But it's two plastic pieces that you put together for the flight stand that are both clear plastic that you oh. glue together. So you put this like little it almost looks like a Lego that you put on the bottom of the jetpack. And wait, then that wait. Lego Goes into like a little, like into like a little ball piece at the end of the flight stand. Wait, so the flight stands are in two pieces? Yes. What? <laughs> two tiny pieces. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Is this the, this the Revenge of the B1 head? I, mean... <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that there's two things here. First, y'all are spoiled. I like GW stuff has this problem all the time. I mean, it's not quite as pronounced with like these jetpack, like with those models generally as these jetpack troopers. But like with GW models, sometimes you got to sit there for like 20 minutes or like prop them up on like a bookshelf or something so that they set the way that you want them to. Oh, yeah. I find this exact thing, right? I, I, I play uh, Sigmar, which is, you know, Neo Fantasy, right? And I play the, the Balloon Boys, right? And they have the same issue with the flight stands and the plastics. And I do have to sit there. And I have, I've done that exact same thing, Zach. I have like pushed my little engine rigger, that's their name, pushed that little guy into place over and over because he just kept sagging. I was like, oh my gosh, it's such a pain in my neck trying to get this to sit right. But the fact that the stand is in two pieces just boggles me. Yeah. Maybe I am slow. The other thing is that I think this is probably a job for super glue based on what you said, right? I like, I think so too now that I've done it. Like what that's, that, that's the issue, right? I'm, I'm in the middle of doing this and I'm saying to, I think it was Bodner, Nick Bodner. I'm like, oh, this is a pain in the butt. And he goes, well, you just need some super glue and accelerant. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. I've already started the situation. So it's like, I just need to roll with the punches and this is what happens. This is the, this is what I get for what I did. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night. I have two kids in bed. I don't have time to be like, oh, yeah, super glue and accelerant. I'm just going to magically pop, pop this out like my name's Jeff Bezos and I own Amazon. Um, so uh, that's what I get. I think super glue and an accelerant would be better for these. And I think you'll get the position that you want better. But, you know, it's kind of like a live and learn process. I'll just have this one leaning arc trooper. The other ones, hopefully I can get to kind of like look like kind of like they're like jetpacking, not at a sarlacc angle um but 
we'll also see if I have the patience for that too. The other thing with the super glue is that you can oftentimes get away with like a clean break if you mess it up. I'm actually really concerned. I can't, I don't, I'm not using like an actual like um, camera here. It's on my computer. I can't really move it. I'm concerned that like one little thing is just going to knock him over and it's just going to, and I'm just going to be like, so I really think eventually I'll end up using some sort of like STL file uh, to prop them up. But I had this conversation and I guess it's kind of fine for the, co- you know, for the podcast cause we're competitive that opens up a can of worms. And that's not a, not a discussion. I really want to go too far into Mike, because you and I have silhouette problems as they are. Oh, sure. Sure. But sure. like, but like if I get an STL file, that's not the exact height of this arc trooper. Right. And let's say it's a little taller. Right. And I don't know this. Let's say I don't know how tall this is. I don't measure it out. I just print an STL file. It's a little taller. It's technically modeling for advantage. Now, I'm not saying that I would do that or other people would actually do that. But I'm just saying that the way silhouettes are written, as in the silhouette doesn't work for movement, which it should, uh, you can now have STL files that either hurt you or help you with movement. And I guarantee you there are people out there that are just like, well, yeah, I want my sniper on an arc and on a stand. It can help me with movement. Because that's a real thing. Because well, the model I mean, is the model's tall. Your your glue kind of takes take took some of that away from you. Oh yeah, I uh, <laughs> I modeled for disadvantage on this one, guys. Um, it it didn't help me at all. Um, but like that's a thing though. Like this is going to be your unit leader for a strike team, right? Um, he's on a flight stand. You can move over terrain a lot easier with one on a flight stand. Then on one that's on a shorter STL or one you put on rocks, uh, you know, that's what's within the rules of the game. Right. So mm-hmm. that's a whole nother can of worms, mind you. Um, yeah. but just, you know, if you are printing STL files, you sh- want to make sure that they're appropriate too, though. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a really great irony when you can have two jetpacking arc models, but the fact that they're so tall removes the need to take the jetpack upgrade on the strike team. It's, just just give him environmental gear. Uh, but like, well, I just wish I had... No, it's built in because of the height of the mini. And well, I wish I had a silhouette because like... Yeah, I get it though. But like, I wish I had a silhouette because then you... Like, the irony of it really is, David, is that I'm shooting at like halfway point of the silhouette because oh, that's yeah. where... Like, the silhouette goes at the halfway point of, of the flight stand. And that's where I'm actually shooting from. But my model is now way above the silhouette. But when I go to move, I'm actually measuring from the top of my art trooper rather than the top of the silhouette. I thought um, we weren't going down this rabbit hole. I went, I went down the no, rabbit hole. Sorry. I, yeah, my fault. <laughs> so the, the, other <laughs> yeah. the other thing I would like to say about the flight stands, though, silhouettes aside, is that I personally really love that Boba... Like I never glued Boba to his flight stand. He just pops right off. Yeah. And I can I can like separate them in my carry case. Um I really appreciate that because I don't have I've got like one of those old GW carry cases that are like about the size of a model. So Boba doesn't fit if he's on the flight stand. Um I'm gonna have that problem with these too, I think. Yeah, I admire the the customizability of being like because you're not obligated to lot nash or excuse me, you're not obligated to glue that thing into the back of the backpack, right? You could you could put his foot on the bottom of the flight stand or something if you wanted to. Yeah. And I, like, I know that I know that when they made the flight stands the way they did, they did it so that you could 
have customizability as to like the connection point. Um, I definitely admire the effort there, but there's definitely like a simple elegance to a peg and just being able to shove it in there and knowing exactly like that your dude's going to stay there when you shove that peg in there. Um, and you could, you could even still like, I love, I love the curvy flight stands. Um, I think they look very dynamic. Uh, but I think there's probably a middle ground with those. And then maybe with like a peg, um, and if you really want to mod it and stick that thing somewhere else, you know, use a hobby drill and like make a little hole in his foot for the peg or something like that. Um, I'm thinking about magnetizing after seeing what Zach showed me. I, I think I mag- don't, magnets would be good. I don't know if it's going to work. No? I really Probably don't. Probably hold the model. I would bet. I, really? Yeah. Um, when we're done with the cast, I'll go get you the backup uh, flight stands and show you how they work, like how they like work and... I don't think magnets. I don't think magnets are going to do it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not. Don't 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 forget. This is my only hobby. Like I've never played any other game. I've never played 40k. I've never dealt with flight stands like this before. So this is all new to me. So maybe I'm incorrect. No, but but (laughs) (laughs) but I I, just looking at it. I don't think I don't think a magnet's going to work. I might want to. I mean, maybe I'll try cutting the stand down. Maybe a little bit. There is know. a shorter there is a shorter stand, but you get four stands, two of them are short, two of them are long, and mm-hmm. you have three models that effectively need uh, a flight stand if you're making the full arcs, obviously. Um, which arc troopers are good, full arcs are great. So I'm gonna be painting and making a lot of these, you know, units as opposed to like rebel commandos that just you know are sitting in baggies downstairs because I just right. full arcs are good. What? <laughs> Sure? That's the guy that took full arcs to second in Invader League. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one procedural question. Did you, when, when you like were sitting there holding him, was, was the flight stand already glued onto the base? Yes. So one other option would be to um, like leave the flight stand off the base and then glue it to the model before you glue the base to the flight stand, if that makes sense. Because then there would be a lot less weight to that flight stand than there would be to the model, and you could almost stick him like face down, and have your flight stand sticking out the back, and then just put something under it, you know, to dry. Yeah, I think I think I'm definitely going to try a couple different things on these next flight stands. Um, I can tell you right now, the only one that's going on the long flight stand is the sniper, and after that, they're all going on the shorter ones because I'm not dealing with this again. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a situation that I learned from this one. And again, it's not like it looks bad. It looks good. It it just looks not what I wanted. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like at first I was a little mad about it. Cause like, I don't know. I was excited. I had a good paint job going. I'm like, man, I like these flight stands. And then I started putting it together and I'm like, I hate these flight stands. And, uh, after like a half hour of like trying to get it to work, I just was like, I gotta, I gotta do something different the next time around. Well, I'm gonna be having the same experience with Mandalorians, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, you'll be having it. Yeah. Speaking we'll of, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, so uh, we we talked to some degree about the stocking issues last week, um, but I, I don't think the problem was as bad as I think the problem is worse than we realized. Uh, there were several people that had like pre-orders directly from Asmodee that were just outright canceled, not even like, you know, postponed, just straight up like we've canceled your pre-order. Um, yeah, you'll you'll get it in March or something. 
Yeah, so the the February thing I think came from a manager market email, not from a Asmodee okay. source. Um, I think the Asmodee emails just basically said like didn't have a date on them. Um, February would be a long time. <laughs> it's, it's possible that miniature market is like, you know, in line behind other places. I don't. I have no idea how any of that works. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, miniature market was telling people February, which is obviously a long way off. Um, you know, there's not uh, a lot of people playing at, at stores right now anyway with their physical models, but it's still really frustrating to not be able to get your hands on them. So, um, and apparently, you know, we're hearing from stores that they're only getting like half there. I, I, you know, I guess we'll see what happens uh, next Friday, but that they're basically only getting half their like clan run and Inferno squad orders too. So, um, yeah, I think this would be like less of an issue if it was like dobacks or something, but these are all like good effective and sweet looking models like like they're all of the things right they hit all of the points right they seem to be like effective on the tabletop at least in tts um they look cool as hell you know the and you know the arcs obviously fit the strike team slot so like it's unfortunate that I mean, like, could you imagine if people gonna couldn't get a hold of like Rebel Commandos or Imperial Scouts? Like, that would have been a problem. Well, and uh, just to the broader point, like, people want to buy this game; they want to buy yeah, stuff for this totally. game. Um, and I know this has been a sort of a Asmodee slash FFG problem for a while, where it, it seems like they underestimate demand. Um, but like, this has been an an issue with legion for a while you know phase two sold out very quickly b2's same issue um you know there was like a there was a long time period where you couldn't even get core sets and um you know for a growing game like people need to be able to buy the product (laughs) for the game to grow it's it's weird because i sort of understand how they've handled it at least in the past like it's way better to sell out of all your stock than to have a ton of extra sitting on the shelf, right? Like you don't, you don't really want product to sit a ton. Like clearly you want stores to have stuff to be able to sell, but you don't want them to have an extra 40 corsets because you shipped out three times more than you needed. Um, it's, it's kind of an awkward balance I think to walk. Clearly, they haven't figured it out yet. I'm not attempting to defend this, just to be clear. But I do understand, I think, where they're coming at it from a business perspective, even on releases that have not had shipping problems before. Yeah, and I I get that, like, you know, I'm not a logistics expert, and estimating demand is hard. Um, I get that. But it seems like... I mean... Like they're way off. Yeah, this or, is different. This is different. Like this well, feels maybe. different. It, sure. Like, and part of the problem is they've they've offered basically no explanation. Um, which, like, I know that's not their policy, uh, and maybe it's an embarrassing explanation. I don't know. But I think part of the problem too is like people assume it's an embarrassing explanation in absence of any explanation. So if it's if it's something mundane like 
you know, coronavirus happened and our stuff is just stuck in customs. And we just wanted to make sure that we could give people at least what we had available when we had it. Um, like, that'd be great to hear that. But I think right now people kind of assume the worst in the absence of any information. And I think that's like a different kind of problem. Totally. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, like, even with like the current climate and stuff, like people could be doing like jobs they're not used to or whatever. Maybe somebody had to take over ordering and like drop to zero, like something like that could have huge implications. And like, you know, because they were short staffed because of the virus or whatever, like nobody double checked it. And like, like stuff like that happens. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. I just, yeah, it's it's pointless to speculate. Yeah. The bottom line is, there's lots of people that want to buy stuff that can't. <laughs> so, and it's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a loaded DC 15 X to put it into star Warsy terms here. And what I mean by that is that like, that would imply that it was good. <laughs> no, what I no, well that that's what I mean. I'm just saying it's like a loaded gun of a, of a topic, right? Like, like there's so many avenues to it. Like if this wasn't happening during this pandemic, do you think that the community would be, I'm not saying they're calm right now because they're not calm. I know a lot of people aren't calm about it, but I think it can give you a little bit of pause when it comes to it because you can be like, oh, well, I'm not playing a game at my local for a long time anyways, or there's no tournaments going on. But like, imagine if actual tournaments, like let's say today's what, uh, September 7th, right? So let's say um, Warfare Weekend's coming up no first weekend in November. That's seven weeks from now, right? And all this stuff would be legal for Warfare Weekend, and you don't have it. Well, what if you only play clones, and you really need ARC Troopers to be competitive? And I'm not saying that this is an end-all, be-all, because this game you know, is not all competitive, right? But when you go to a tournament, you want to perform well, you want to bring a competitive list, you now don't have ARC Troopers to do it. You don't have Phase 2s to do it. Um, so it's like a catch-22. It sucks but it's okay because there's no tournaments. And I'm not saying it's okay from them as a company. I'm saying it's okay from a player standpoint because we really don't have anything that we need We need, We need. need them for. We want them because this is what we do, right? But we don't necessarily need them. So in a sense, you know, they're lucky, right? Because there's no outrage over the tournament aspect of this, right? But there's, you know, like you say, people are... I think people are just stuck at home. They want more things to paint. I know there's several people that I know of. Uh, and this is anecdotal, but like people that say, well, I might, I might actually catch up on my pile of shame. <laughs> and they're just like, and after that, what, what meaning is there? <laughs> you know, obviously they're trolling, but, um, but you know, it's, it's a fair point, you know? And I think the, I think they've been spared that competitive anger. Yeah. Like imagine if this happened like a month before worlds. Oh my gosh. People would be livid. I mean, it might it might have happened with the AAT. We still don't know. Like, like if worlds happened, they were promising people AATs, right? We don't know if they would have going to follow through on that or not. <laughs> that would have been wild, mind you. I mean, I I think that that conversation is actually relevant. Like, it's very possible that we don't have another. Like, none of these orders are fulfilled until next year's Adepticon. Like, it it at least based on what Miniature Market said, and maybe maybe that's true maybe it's not but it's at least the implication um 
Well, and if if we have an LVO, you know, like if LVO happens in late January of next year and the miniature market's date is correct and there's going to be lots of people that can't get ARC Troopers by LVO, like when they were released five months prior. Yeah, like that, <laughs> like, that, that's an issue. Yeah. There's no yeah. way this looks good, right? It does. Yeah, it's not a good look. Um, selling out of product is good. Selling out of product before it's released such that you don't have, like there are people that pre-ordered it that didn't get it. That's very bad. <laughs> I mean, like I've heard of people not getting pre-orders before, but it's like with iPhones, you know, like they stood in line at the iPhone store and they were like 750th in line and they just ran out and, you know, I don't know, but nothing like this really. It's weird. I hope this is not an ongoing issue. I guess we'll see. And maybe, maybe the product, like, you know, maybe it's not that it was fell into the ocean or they underprinted it or something. Maybe it's just like sitting in a warehouse in Taiwan or something and it's just can't get here yet. Um, who knows, you know, pointless, but speculation is pointless, but, um, yeah, I guess you say speculation is pointless, but it is so fun. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Personally, I I like the pirates theory. That's my favorite. A bunch of pirates like raided a container ship, you know, thinking they're going to get like, um, some super valuable stuff. They open this container and there's a bunch of like art troopers in it. And of course, they don't go to eBay to check that they could probably make a fortune selling those art troopers on eBay. Do um, you think they just toss them overboard, or what are they doing? Probably, they're yeah. Just playing like Legion with thousands of art troopers, like on their like stolen container ship. <laughs> there's a bunch of there's a bunch of pirates just playing with art troopers. On their so, what, was this Hondo Onaka and a bunch of weakways? Yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> um, Hondo, man, that guy's hilarious. Uh, okay. Um, I mean the good the good news right about Hondo today. <laughs> the good news is that like the releases after these next ones are m- characters Anakin and Maul and the specialist packs for clones and droids. Now I guess it could be come a problem if you need a bunch of specialist packs, I guess. But from what I've from what I've seen is that there's still a lot of Padmes and Cad Banes, at least locally for me. So at least hopefully like Anakin and Maul will be okay. I mean, the good thing about characters is usually they're a one of, right? You don't you're not usually buying three. You know, where Arc Troopers and BX or Staps and ATRTs, you're looking to buy two to three boxes, etc. Um, so I think I think a part of it too is that the, the the number of demand of these boxes kind of inflates the situation. Right, because everyone wants three Arc Troopers. Right. Right. Like Here's another interesting question. Did the same thing that happened to ARC Troopers happen to BX droids and people just didn't order as many? Or people just realized BX droids weren't as good. Um, hey, BX droids are fine. Yeah, but okay. uh, I, yeah, I guess my point is like everybody's getting three ARC Troopers. Not everyone's getting three BX droids, right? Like were they on the same container that got stolen by the pirates? And the only reason this is an issue specifically for our troopers is because the demand is that much higher. I don't know. Uh, D- David just went out there and sunk a boat full of arc troopers. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I'm done with this. 
Oh yeah, I had a I had a, a laser guided rocket. No, no, no. Come on, Dave. Let's be real. They they thought they saw an iceberg, but it really was a saltberg. Uh oh, you mean like the giant like a giant like crystal of salt that came towards them and sank their tanker? Yep. Definitely that's what it was. All that, um, all that anger in over Invader League like crystallized and I like channeled it into the ocean and sent this hunk of salt just hurtling out across the Pacific uh, towards whatever towards whatever uh, tanker ship or container ship that was uh, these things were on board. Uh, it, it's a hit. <laughs> there, there you have it. David Zelenka. The, the reason we don't have our troopers. Batting 100. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, well, hopefully we get them. Hopefully Sorry, we get them. Or, yeah, there you go. 100 would be bad. Um, that, that's why actually bad as a hundred. Yeah, that'd be Mendoza line bad below Mendoza line. Um, yeah. Uh, hopefully we get him sooner than February. I guess we'll see. Obviously, some people have them, um, but not as many people as want them. So, uh, if you're looking for our troopers, uh, good luck. <laughs> uh, and our giveaway. There you go. May the force be with you. Yeah. There you go. Um, all right. How about we move on to Legion 101? It's time for Legion 101. Class is in session. All right. Let's talk about my favorite objective. Moisture evaporators. Or sabotage the moisture evaporators. You know, I think a lot of people are going to give you crap for that. Because I think it's the most hated objective out of all of them by the general populace of the Legion community. I don't see why. I've had some of my best games on Evaporators. I, I think it is it is definitely one of the most interesting. Uh, it tends to landslide the least, I think, um, in that it creates good dynamic games a lot of the time. It's It's the most swingy objective in my experience. Yeah, I was going to say that like basically every game of Vaps is is what you want to make of it. And what I mean is if you're blue and you want to be defensive, you can be in blue and defensive. If you want to be red and you have to be offensive, which you probably have to be, that you know you can dictate the story. Now, I've definitely have played games of blue and have gone on the offensive. Um, but you have to be able to kind of calculate the risk reward in vaps right like you need to understand that if you're gonna put something out there to try and kill something to then possibly retreat for the points you know perspective right you need to weigh that risk reward more because of those swings all right so so before we get into like the strategy of apps let's just talk real quick about the why like why is blue player defensive on evaporators Because the fundamental reason, eyes. right? So blue wins. Uh, it, so there's 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 three orders of things, right? Victory points is one. Points destroyed is two, and if both of those things are tied, then blue player wins, right? And of course, people are like, "Well, a game never ends in a points destroyed tie." So how often does that even matter? Well. A game never rarely ends that way. I've I've seen a, a handful of times where it ends that way, but it's very rare for a game to end with a victory points tie and a points destroyed tie. 
but every single game starts that way, right? So um, a good VAPS blue player will essentially, because VAPS is more likely than other objectives to tie, right? Because there's only two objectives that each player places. And you can essentially place them in safe locations such that it, you know, it results in in you doing your VAPS and your opponent doing their VAPS, and then you're tied on victory points. So, like in situations like that, it's essentially kill points, right? And the game starts at zero zero with kill points, which means the game starts at blue player winning. Um, so it's on red to kill something, basically, and blue doesn't have to do anything except um, sabotage their VAPS and sit and wait. Yeah, I mean, I I have won games of evaporators without firing a shot. It kind of sounds dirty to say, but mm-hmm. I it's happened. Um, uh, yeah, it it's the reason I actually dislike the objective the most because there's a, a you can reach a point in the game where there's just no incentive to engage. Well, there's no incentive for one player to engage in in those games that you're describing, Mike, and I've had those too. Um, in my experience one player doesn't realize that specifically red player doesn't realize that they essentially lose if they do nothing um, or if they don't do enough. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, they would be often in those situations, like this is a little bit more exaggerated than it should be, but um, it would behoove red player to just take all of their units and throw them at the blue player as hard as possible um, (laughs) in kind of, the extreme situation there. If they don't engage at all, they just lose. Um, right. Like clearly there's ways to do that in a more nuanced and careful manner. Totally. I just, um, I do think that like if, if you would pick between doing absolutely nothing as red player and devoting all of your resources and leaving your evaporators in the dust, you are more likely to win that game, ignoring your own evaporators than if you were to sit back defensively. Like, sitting back defensively as a red player in a VAP situation is literally a no-win situation. Like, you cannot win the game. Yep. I have a couple takes here. One of them's a little more extreme, and one of them's more subtle. Uh, I like VAPs. I play defensive like Kyle does. Um... I mean, I definitely have had games where I've had to go on the offensive as red on VAPs, and it's fine. Like, you just got to know, like Mike was saying, you got to know to kind of worry about your VAPs later and as red and go after blue because you need to because that's how you have to win the game. Um, my hot take, super red hot, is VAPs is a terrible objective in terms of a game design. And any objective that has an even amount of objectives is bad for the game. So, and I know this is a bit of a loaded thing and we're not, this is was more of a one-on-one, but I just wanted to get this take out there that I think that VAPs and let's say hostage exchange are like two objectives that are skewed towards blue in a way that I don't know if it was an intended because they're even numbered. If there was a third hostage or a fifth evaporator, I think it makes the game way more dynamic because now you're going towards a neutral objective that you have to fight over. And two, you don't have to kill something and then run away because you want to win points. And I don't know about you guys, but I play Legion to roll dice. 
Um, even when I play a defensive game, now mind you, I play very defensive. I still play to play and roll dice. And I've seen so many games, like Mike was saying, where he doesn't even take a shot. He doesn't even pick up dice. I, I mean, not to name names, but there was there was a game in an RPQ I played at. It went to a round three, zero to zero game, tie, blue player wins. Like, I mean, did, I, I don't want to call people out here, but like those situations only happen when someone fundamentally oh, does not understand the board state. And and like that player has no business winning that game if they don't understand that. Like, I don't want to like get too far down that rabbit hole, but if 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 you don't understand what you have to do to win the game, like you you lost before before deployment. It, it's it's not even that though. Like, okay, I shouldn't say that. It is that, but it's also like it's like what Zach said, you know. You come to the game with your sense of fun hopefully intact and you know as as someone who's played blue and who has been the defender you still like to draw blood you know what i mean um well, because you want to roll dice the the problem is when that backfires and then your opponent is suddenly ahead on points and then you're like well crap you know now now i have to do all the work so to speak of of approaching and attacking so, and, and it just it just gets in the way, you know. Sorry, go on. No, you're good. You're good. I I fundamentally think that 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 result is more often a mismatch between players than an issue with the objective, because if the red player is doing what they should be doing, like the blue player is gonna get to roll dice, like hands down, dice will be rolled. I promised. The other thing that I love about Vaps is that. It's the only objective that feels like a heist. As the red player, you're like your your objective is to basically perform a heist on the blue player. And like, for instance, my boss killing Kyle Sabine, like straight up heist. It was amazing. You know, just got in there under the wire, took a pot shot, and like completely flipped the tables. And, like, I live for moments like that. Like, those are the moments in Legion that I think are amazing. And I think other objectives have a hard time creating those scenarios. I also, one one last thing, want to rebuttal the even objectives thing. I think the worst objective ever in this game was OGK position, OG key positions. And it was not an even number of victory points. It. I think if you're going to take issue with VAPs, you take issue with how it's written, but don't don't staple it to the to the blue player gets an advantage thing because I think I, I think that that's fundamentally a little different. Well, I think we take for granted at this point in the game now that key positions has been fixed that victor, like objectives with an odd number of victory points do not award more victory points to one player at the start of the game than they do to another player, which yeah, is right. essentially what OG key positions did you know blue players started up two to one essentially with og key positions the other thing is that like like intercept is often only one objective matters key positions often only one objective matters um in vaps they kind of all matter which i kind of like um yeah there's a there's a couple ways so like in my experience when both players kind of know what's going on with vaps um, like you referenced our game where you where you sniped Sabine with Bosk. Um, I think that was on like turn two. 
Um, yeah, that was, was one of the wildest games I've ever played because for the remainder of that game, like every single thing that happened tipped the balance of the, you know, who was controlling the game back and forth. Like you killed Sabine, then I killed Bosk, and then you killed some other unit, and then I killed a unit, and I just kept like like a pendulum swinging back and forth. Nobody had time to disengage because right. we were we were constantly chucking a unit and and zach i think that that's what you're talking about when you come to roll dice i I think that when you play a good game of vaps that's what happens yeah and i've had hold on and i should clarify i've had a ton of fun games on on vaps i'm not like completely dumping on it i just know i've seen a lot of i've seen a lot of bad games like i've seen a lot of those games where it's kill something shell up and then it's everyone positioning for the next four rounds. And by the time you get into position on round five, you actually can't even kill the model that you're trying to kill as red player, I mean. And I should say, also clarify, I love Vaps as red because it lets me do it advantageous things. And that's what's fun. Like killing his Sabine with your Bosk, I understand that completely because like, I love playing Luke Sabine. And when I play Luke Sabine, I love seeing Vaps get picked. And I, because you know what it is? And I'm not saying like this is like a thing for all of us, but like, and I'm not saying Kyle would feel this way, but for an example, Kyle's very comfortable as blue on Vaps. And I think that there are a lot of people that play blue on Vaps and feel comfortable because they play maybe a defensive style. And then you get somebody completely caught off guard because you're red and you just shove everything you have down their throat and they have no idea what to do. And I think that can cause for good gameplay because you're getting somebody on their game plan and completely throwing it off. And again, that brings up great Legion moments. So like, I'm not saying that it doesn't bring up good games. I just think that the way it is designed can cause for more non-fun games than fun games. And maybe that has a lot to do with how you place faps, or maybe it has a lot to do with how a map is constructed. Maybe it's more of a table issue than it is a gameplay issue. Maybe that's what it really is. Um yeah. Like, you know, like maybe there's a spot on a table where you put both your VAPs in such a safe spot that you're never getting shot. And maybe that's not a game problem, but it's how the table was constructed. So there's a lot of different variables that go into what I mean in terms of I don't like VAPs because it's even. I just know that I've seen so many, I've seen better games than like a game, let's say, like Recover the Supplies. I always bring this up as an example. It has a fifth objective. I have I've had so many fun games on Recover the Supplies. I think Recover is one of the best objectives. Um but is it because of how that is written as opposed to VAPs? I don't know. Um but I mean to to go back into a one-on-one discussion rather than me bringing up like a, a hot hot take is one of the most important things about VAP is placement and figuring and reading the map and where you put your VAPs to put yourself in a position to either be aggressive or defensive. Yeah, and I just before we close out the is VAPS fun conversation, because I think this is an interesting one. Um, there are plenty of other objectives too where when you have a skill disparity, the game is just basically over almost immediately. Like I've seen recover you know, you brought up recover the supplies. I've seen games of recover where like one player has Sabine or an infiltrator and the other one doesn't. And um maybe they don't even veto it or something it's in like the second slot and they just let it happen and then the player with the infiltrator you know they drop gin right on the middle box they grab it on the first turn and they run away and the game's over right like that's it um i think i think the 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 quote-unquote boring play happens on vaps more often because the the defender attacker role is more nuanced so when you have those skill disparities, like you do have situations where red is playing cagey and they shouldn't be. 
Um, and the 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 red player role of trying to like kill a unit is also a lot more complicated than just throwing everything you have at blue, right? Like there are times when you should do that, but there are ways to kill a unit without doing that in a way that like leaves you um, in a position where you can actually take on that defender role after you've killed a unit. Because often what happens is red player kills a unit, but then to do so they have to expose a unit and then blue player kills that unit. Right. Um, And then you're right back where you started, depending on how much your unit costs, Um, which brings up like, this is not really a 101 thing, but one super important, slightly overlooked thing about list building is like, don't make your units unnecessarily more expensive. You know, if, if your opponent has 48 point strike teams and you have 40, 50 point strike teams because you gave them recon intel or something, like if you trade strike teams, you're losing if you have the 50 point strike teams. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that situations like VAPS emphasizes mistakes more than other objectives right like you you are way more on like a razor's edge on you know if if you mess up a wish deployment you pick the game could be very close to over if you mess up what condition you pick like like if you pick i don't know like like if limviz is in the pool and you you choose not to ban towards it so that you can't get up there and engage them closer like that could be a serious mistake. Like there are, there are tons of mistakes before you even start moving your units on the table that you can make in VAPS. And I, and I think you guys were alluding to this a little bit with like, you know, where you drop your VAPS is super important. And if you mess that up, it can easily decide the game before it starts. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of little variables that players have direct control over on VAPS that on some other objectives, they don't, right? Like intercept, the points are clear cut. Like you don't get to drop them. They are where they are. Like it is what it is. But when you're playing an objective like VAPS where the deciding victory points are based on locations that someone can select on the board, it gets way more complicated. Recover the supplies is like that too, but the but the box that generally matters is predetermined, right? Um, so I'm still I'm still frozen in salt over something that happened in a recent game of VAPS. Um, I actually positioned my I positioned a sniper team and I did not hide the second model in an in an accurate way. And as blue, okay. And so here comes Echo, right? Double crit, lethal, <laughs> kills the sniper. Just natties into double crit, lethal, kills the sniper team. So I'm just sitting here as like, you know, oh, well, great. Now I got to attack, right? But it's major offensive. And so it, the, the VAPs are both kind of shoved away. And so there's like this no man's land. And so now I'm here. I am attacking across a no man's land against clones, which are like, not only are they like really hard to kill if you don't have pierce, they also can knock the hell out of you if you make a positioning error. So that was just a really like long grinding game that ultimately I failed to to win. It was a close one, but that whole game was precipitated off one error. 
And so that, that's really just like an, you're in this kind of knife edge situation where if you make a mistake, you'll be paying for it for the rest of the game. I think VAPS is uniquely like that. And I think, so you brought up VAP placement. I actually want to talk about one of your other games, David. The game previous to that um, mm-hmm. was also VAPS, right? Yes, it was also um, VAPS, but they were much closer together. Right, and part of that, um, like you you were blue player also in that game, right? Yep. And you ended up essentially proactively pushing one of those evaporators, which turned out to be a good call. Right. It, it was one of those... See, see, I, I like the dichotomy that exists with blue, but I think... I think it's, you know, on review, it's a mistake to play blue in a purely defensive capacity uh, because you can end up in a situation where you have no response to red if they can get their win condition met. So you need to at least, you know, hold parts of the board. And one of the ways to do that is by threatening evaporator with Luke. And I did do that in both games. I did it in this game much more effectively than I did in the other game that we talked about. Uh, where Luke was basically positioned behind a box near Evaporator. And his entire job was to say, if you walk away from this, I will take it from you. That was his whole job. And he was doing it with jump, essentially. Yeah, and jump he was, units. He was just zoning, right? Zoning that whole Evaporator away. Yeah, jump units are great for pa- for sort of passively, in a defensive way, zoning Vaps. Um, because it's very common... You know, so that your opponent can access them safely for them to put evaporators like on their side of a line of sight blocker. But, you know, that means you can also put a unit on your side of the line of sight blocker. And if that unit has jump, that means you can access their VAP, you know, while simultaneously being hidden from their own threats. Right. It's this idea in chess of a pin where if you move this unit, I can do something very damaging to you. Or you really just can't move that unit because you automatically lose. Like, for example, if you pin a piece to the king, that happens in chess. And so in a similar way, uh, you're pinning units to the evaporator. Like They have to mind it because if they don't mind it, you'll just take it from them. Well, and beyond that, with force users especially, you can often put your opponent in a position where in order to interact with that VAP, they have to enter the threat range of your force user such that you know, a they they can't they may not even be able to interact with it before their their action is essentially interrupted by that right. force user. But B, if they then do it, then they're putting themselves in a position to lose that unit and then go down on points. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happened in uh in the game where Luke was a real threat was that uh there were several phase two clone units near the evaporator that Luke was kind of just snapping up because he's like, oh, fantastic! I don't have to. I don't have to cut through impervious because you're not arc troopers. <laughs> and he was he was slicing and dicing. He didn't even quote get his points back, but the his existence was enough to cause a situation by the end where the opponent didn't have enough actions to fix their evaporator back. And even with secret mission in the tank, it wasn't enough for him to to overcome that because Luke had just done so much to influence that area of the board. Yeah, I mean, to kind of piggyback off of all this conversation about pl- placing VAPs and jump units, um, I mean, one word of advice I would give to like uh, like a red player on VAPs is to always pay attention to what your opponent has on their list and what they can do, obviously. Um, and then obviously, 
uh, something that's sorry, sorry, it's something that's not as obvious is learning how to look at the map and dissect the deployment that you have chosen. And since you're red and you know you have to go on a def- on an offensive, try and envision where your opponent as blue player is going to put both their VAPs and see if you can kind of put your first VAP placement in a spot that you probably need to go to anyways to put pressure on blue, but also box them out from putting their, their VAP in a position that puts them somewhere safe. And that forces them to put their second VAP in a spot that might expose them and allow you to attack them at a better like vector, like an approach vector. It's not, it's not going to happen every game. It really depends on the deployment zone and the map and stuff like that. But that's a piece of advice. Whenever I play as red, I try and take my first VAP and, bl- and like block out blue from putting their second VAP into an advantageous spot if I can do it. Yeah, that's super deployment zone dependent. Um, there are zones where it's basically impossible to do that. Uh, major offensive um, advanced positions uh, come to mind. Like there's just too much open space on the map for you to be able to do that. But there are others like um, long march, long march, and battle lines, notably, where like if you if you make an aggressive VAT placement, you're going to be zoning out a huge swath of territory. Now, if M-Din you do that, as well, frankly, what's that? Hemmed in as well. Yes. I think that one's probably the most dangerous, frankly. Yep. Oh, totally. Yeah, Vaps on Hemmed In is a bloodbath. It is yeah. so close set. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, you do have to be careful when you do that. Like, you have to make sure that you can still score that VAP. If you have units with infiltrate or scout units, that helps significantly. Um, because it's it's likely to be, you know, a little bit farther out than range one from your deployment zone. Um but if you have a unit with covert ops or infiltrate or a scout value, um, hopefully you can still get to it safely if you're using it as, as a zoning play. And certainly you're going to be putting it on your side of a line of sight blocker. And it's just a question of distance. Um, but yeah, there definitely are maps where like your opponent sort of has to make a trade-off between do I put it far up behind this line of sight blocker or do I put it close to my zone kind of in the open? And then it's potentially in a position to get threatened by like longer range units, like snipers, heavies, um, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's basically, I played sports all my life, primarily hockey. And it's kind of like you try to make your opponent make the first mistake. And that's somewhat forcing the issues. Like whoever makes the first mistake is on their back foot. Right. And if you can force your opponent to kind of make that mistake rather than like, they fall into the mistake and do it like unknowingly. But if you can try and put them in a position to like make that mistake, it, it helps you for the long haul. So um, this is super basic, but I always forget like which when I, whether I'm repairing or sabotaging. <laughs> I, red repair, blue bash. Right. That's, that, yeah. So I think it was David actually that. That told me that little moniker, red yeah, repair, red repair, and then I, I did blue for break. Yeah, the bash works too. Yeah. Um. So that's how you remember red repair, blue break, and uh, yeah, that's always super helpful. Make sure you're doing the right direction on the wounds. Yeah, you have to you have to choose whether you sabotage or repair. And, uh, I wish you just stacked victory tokens next to them. It would be same. so much cleaner. It really would, because it's also like. 
I get thematically why one side would want to be sabotaging them and one side would want to be fixing them. But it'd just be so much simpler if you just stacked tokens next to them. And also, like, it's called sabotage the moisture evaporators. It's not called sabotage slash repair the moisture evaporators. Uh, I don't know. It'd be super super cool if we got, like, an engineer unit, though, that could, like, double repair them or something. That would be sweet. Yeah. Um, speaking of double repairing, one more strategy note, and then I want to talk a little bit about, like, which lists should and should not be taking VAPs. But strategy-wise, if you're in a tournament, um, odds are your rounds are going to be timed. And there's a non-zero chance that you may not finish your games. So, like, on VAPs, make sure that you are interacting with your VAPs early and often and that you just get those, like, just check that box. Just get them out of the way. Um, Don't run into a situation where you're like, oh, crap. It's turn five, and I banked on interacting with my home evaporator on turn six, and maybe we won't get there. And you just kind of lose because, you know, like you had a unit nearby that did something besides repair a vap. Um, yeah, just yeah. If my on. if my vaps aren't repaired by round two, I think I failed. Like, right. I mean, that might be a little excessive. Yeah, but, I would say yeah. around three. But, but, uh, two, I, I will not settle for less than two. It's got to be two. Even so, just even outside of a potentially shortened game situation, it, it frees up whatever units you had allocated to that task to do something else without having to worry about it. So, there's a couple of reasons to do that. Yeah, I mean, like, there is a world where it is far more like for instance often strike teams are the ones that end up doing evaporators because they're cheap units that you know you can miss their activations a lot of the time and not be like too concerned about it but like if you're red player specifically you often want snipers shooting earlier rather than later you want to break the dichotomy as soon as possible um so I, I think it, it I think that, that argument holds up if you're blue. I think it is less applicable if you're red player. Um, right, because if you don't kill a unit, it doesn't matter how often matter. you interact with your VAPs, you're not going to win. Right, and yeah. and uh, so I, it's good advice, but but I do think that like if if you think time is going to be an issue, ch- check the box that at least starts you down the road to winning the game first but you know don't check the box that's like you know step three step check the box at step one and if you're red that means you have to kill you um that doesn't mean you can't do them at the same time but if you have to prioritize um you know and often strike teams are some of the only units that can shoot the first couple turns so you kind of have to balance those priorities that's why you have r2d2 uh hit a vap yeah, totally. I mean, like a, a cheap unit that that doesn't do much. Like R two is a great unit, um, assuming that you can still get him to his mission objective or whatever, or he's still gonna do what he needs to do over the course of the game. But he, if, if he can stop along the way and just like repair a vap, great. That's a great job for him. Units with scout are great for vaps because, you know, turn one, most of your units are gonna be out of range anyway um so if if those units like 
turn one, a lot of your units are not going to be attacking anyway because they can't. So if those same units can be interacting with VAPs on that same turn, then you're getting a good, you know, bang for your buck there. Um, what type of lists should not be taking evaporators in their deck? Because I think, so I think we actually had this conversation before Vital Assets um, and probably before Tauntauns. And the answer to that question was none. Like, everybody should be taking VAPs was the answer to that question at some point in the existence of this game. Um, I don't think that's true anymore, but let's talk about what kinds of lists should not be taking VAPs. Should not. Uh, any list, and this is ironic because we had this conversation earlier, any list that probably has a speeder or a unit that like has to be in your opponent's face. And I'm not saying that Tauntauns are bad on VAPs. They're still decent on VAPs. Um, but we're living in the world of clone standby sharing, right? So Tauntauns, while you can play defensive and not send them in, they might have to go in eventually, right? If you lose a unit. So those Tauntauns are going to have problems getting into the clone ball, right? Or, you know, they still have to be offensive, right? Or we talked about it earlier. Kyle, you think about playing Staps in Team League and you thought about whether you should play VAPs in that list or not. And, you know, Mike and I, well, I, I said you should just because it's, you're Kyle and you like VAPs. But Mike Mike and I both, you know, thought the same thing as well. And Mike was the one that bring it brought it up is those Staps are going to have to move towards the opponent and they're not like a great defensive unit. They might, you know, die. And then you need to get something in there and kill something of your opponents. But those staps are literally flying towards your opponent. So by the time when, like when they get killed, your opponent might have time to retreat before you can even get the rest of your droid army into your opponent's face to make up for the points you lost on those staps. So I think units that have like fat, like have speed that is uncontrollable. And what I mean is basically the speeder keyword or tauntauns who are eventually going to have to do something. And they also move at speed three um, like let's say an example of, and I know they're not out yet, but like Mando's come out next week. Yeah, they're speed three, but they don't need to like they don't need to be in your opponent's face like Tauntauns need to. They can kind of be an objective runner and be defensive and and do these things. So I don't, I'm not saying necessarily it's speedy units, but it's units that have speed that also have to be doing something to get their points back. I think it's also the issue that Tauntauns are harder to hide than Mando's by a long shot. That's fair and, too. Yeah, and then like like you say, Zach, like the tons have to do something, and if they don't, you know, you basically just wasted your points. But Mandos can, like you say, be much more defensive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Zach had everything that I would have said. Like, just any any list that has like supports or you know fragile supports, especially. I do think there's you can take VAPs in a vehicle list. I don't know if it's necessarily the best thing to take, but like I'm pretty sure like heavy vehicle lists, with the exception of the airspeeder, maybe the land speeder, probably don't mind evaporators because they're just like, okay, fantastic. I can just apply my damage. You know, they probably don't mind playing into it, but they probably don't like it as a blue objective. I I think a very easy rule of thumb on this is that if you want bombing run in your battle deck. You don't want VAPs in your battle deck is, is kind of how I feel about it. Like uh, th there's, there's probably a couple exceptions to that rule. Um, 
you know, I, I think Mandos may want bombing run. Like I could see that. Um, but I'm also not convinced how good they would be at VAPs, frankly. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the other thing, the other aspect to units that don't like VAPs is short range units. Like if, if your main mode is like range two, which I think is actually the, one of the biggest issues with Tauntauns on VAPs. Like I, I do think that the line of sight issue is a problem, but the other aspect is that they just can't engage unless they get into their opponent's threat range. And oftentimes the best units on VAPs are the things that can hit you from range four or five shores fd turrets snipers you know cassian um like those are the units that are super stellar at winning the like hey you've got a i've got to kill a unit right now war um i mean jedi are obviously pretty good at like zoning vaps out and stuff but um yeah i i think that if you have a lot of short range units or if your list really wants bombing run Vaps just shouldn't be in your deck. Yeah, I think another thing for the taunts too, right, is in Vaps, uh, or not, not like just Vaps, but in general, is they're trading down a lot of the times. But what happens with taunts is they usually trade up in more, and what I mean by that is they end up trading up because they kill more than one unit. But let's say if they get in, they kill a unit, but then they die. In like a game like Vaps, they typically have probably traded down. And what I mean by that is they killed something that was worth uh, worth less points than they are. So yeah, you killed a unit, but you just lost your tauntauns and now you're down in the points anyways. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the contrast, we talked about zoning with force users. Like, if a force user kills a unit that was sent to do a VAP and then dies, that's not a good trade, right? Similarly, like, if a tauntaun, you know, is threatening a VAP, they send, uh, like, a B1 unit to do that VAP, the Tauntauns maul that B1 unit, but then get killed after that, you know, you've just traded 90 to 100 and some odd points for 54, which is bad, right? Even if they kill two B1 units, that may not be a positive trade-off. But like what you sort of uniquely allows force users to do this is force push. Because you can often take that unit that just did that VAP or tried to do that VAP, and instead of going to them in the threatening range of your entire opponent's army, you yank them around the corner to you, to your side of the line of sight blocker, and then you murder them where your opponent can't see them. Um, so I think that's why like saber users are kind of uniquely good at threatening evaporators where there's other short, u- short range units that are not because Tauntauns have to put themselves, you know, in the middle of your opponent's army to actually threaten that VAP. Whereas like Luke doesn't. Yeah, totally. I mean, as someone that plays Luke and Obi-Wan pretty much every game I play, I force push is so big on objectives like VAPs. It's kind of like and like an unwritten thing. Like you can't it's something you cannot like um calculate into your like into your math going into the game. Like it changes so much. Yeah, I mean, I also think, you know, um there's some other things that go into this that like you might have put vaps in your battle deck but there are some matchups you really don't want it you know uh like um it it really depends like oftentimes if if 
we've talked a lot about trading, but if there's likely scenarios where you're blue and your opponent has a list that's very aggressive, but can also is trading up most of the time, um, which is frankly sort of rare, but like units that do this well are like staps. Like they, they can trade up often, um, you know, uh, speeder bikes, uh, when, when, when they do their damage can trade up often, like you might want to just like consider those things, you know, if your opponent brought three of them or whatever, um, there's there's some you know strike potential there that if they can get in there and kill a very important unit quickly you could have a problem the other thing is you should look at like where your vulnerabilities are right like if you brought an atst that's impossible to hide and your opponent's got you know two aats on the other side of the field i think you know with critical or you know they brought a saber or whatever like you're probably going to lose your tank before they lose theirs, even if you're blue. Um, and that sort of thing gets really awkward. So um, I don't know. There's some things where like, it's, I think it's also very matchup dependent, but yeah. Yep. Totally. I think, I think the core pieces of advice are think about VAP location you know, make sure if possible that you're placing yours in safe locations and that potentially if, you know, you can force your opponent to place theirs in vulnerable locations. Um, if you get stuck with red as vaps, you have to make something happen. And there are a lot of different ways to do that. But one of the ways not to do that is to sit and play defensively as red. Um, that's not something you can do. That's like not an option for you. Um, so and just know when to threaten evaporator, even as blue, um, at the start of the game. Like if you've identified that your opponent has kind of an exposed evaporator, it's okay to, like you can you can kind of hedge. You can have your cake and eat it too in certain situations where you can threaten that evaporator and make it difficult for them to tag it, and simultaneously not expose your units too much. So, yeah, I think is kind of like a partying thing. Um, playing Vaps as red player is kind of an art you really need to play it over and over and over again to know how much you should commit in a certain situation um in order to kind of score the kill and get out it's not it's it's going to be frustrating the first few times you like try and do it you're going to get the numbers wrong you're not going to commit enough units you're going to commit too much units so you can't get them out all before you lose one um and then you're kind of stuck in the cycle you know uh hero units that are very good at that bosk <laughs> is a, is a great one you know um who can kind of scoot around the corner reptilian rampage and at the end of a turn or something and just delete something and then get out of dodge the next turn um and it, it's often right to just play like an ambush to get your dude out of there um after you make one of those first strikes so that it not not you don't even shoot with the unit, just get them out, you know. And um, it, there there's an art to it. It is not easy, even after you've done it a, a million times. A lot of times, the dice have to go right for you too. Yep, I think Vaps is sort of uniquely like every unit 
that you have and every unit that your opponent has is also a victory point, essentially. Um, like, unit leaders matter in most objectives. But kill points matter on VAPs a lot more than they matter on other objectives, and that means that all of your units on all of your opponent's units are objectives in the same way that the VAPs themselves are objectives, and in some ways, more so. So... Your final VAPS thoughts before we talk about that game that you guys played over the weekend? I see the anguish on Mike's face. I think we should just go into it. <sighs> you know, all right. I'd like to preface this with me and David went into this and we we're like, you know what? Let's have some fun. Let's build some kooky lists with some weird stuff. And you guys show up with like this 11 act. Was it 11 or 12? <laughs> Uh, all right, hold on. All right, it was no, eleven. No, 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 no. Let me let me finish right, my you go, thought, you go. and then right, you yeah. can go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was eleven. It was oh eleven. Oh my gosh! All right, so this is before we get any further. This is for that campaign thing that we previewed last week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Man. Continue. So, so me and David are going into this. I'm like, you know what, David? I'm going to take three units of Death Troopers. We're going to have some fun. Okay. You know? Yeah. And and like, meanwhile, Zach shows up. He's got five units with dlts he's got three sniper strike teams an officer and sabine is that is that 11 two medics two right and he's got two <laughs> medics so so he's got like hyper efficiency gun line you know over here with dark saber sabine meanwhile i'm over here with death troopers thinking man he's got a lot of pe- oh you had an fd turret too um and <laughs> you know so he's got he, he he outranges my death trooper army and uh so i was like oh well this game's gonna be tough um <laughs> why don't you take it away zach all right be- before we talk about the game i have to i want to preface the fact that i sent kyle some janky fun lists and kyle was like no efficiency and i want to say that my 11 act list was at least a little cut back from Kyle's 12 act list. Okay. Cause I'm pretty sure Kyle, if I went into my DMS, I'm sure I could find a list and I'm pretty sure it was 12 activations. And Kyle's like, we should definitely run this. This is like, this is a good list. And I just want to say that I had some fun lists. I even had an armor skew list just in case you brought an ATST. Um, I only went to 11 acts because I brought the dark saber and I'm pretty sure Kyle's not a big fan of the dark saber on Sabine, but I just don't leave home without it. And I put Ascension Cables on her, which ended up being important in this game, ironically. Uh, maybe not as important as it is as the you know the four points I paid for him. But to be fair, I cut it down from Kyle's uh, uh, Solus 12 to at least 11. Uh, give, yeah. me, give me some break here. Yeah, it was 12. <laughs> the one I sent you was, uh, <laughs> was an officer with strict Sabine, no Darksaber, six Rebel DLTs, three Strike Teams, and an FD. <laughs> So I tra- I traded the extra activation Kyle had for two medics and a dark saber, which might be more degenerate anyway. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. that's more degenerate. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, really the, the medics won you that game, I think, because <laughs> Sabine would have died. Um, in any case, uh, it was a fun game. We played Intercept the Transmissions. Sabine had some fun with her bombs. Uh, it will be going up on YouTube later this week. Um so be on the lookout for that we also need to talk about next round yeah i think we'll do offline and then i'll include it in the next video um i think it's on you guys pick a battle right 
Well, we got to do moves again, and then we pick a battle. Okay, so we all do moves again, and then you guys pick a battle. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. Um, so they're gonna be looking for revenge because we will we, be looking for revenge. We yeah, took so over. We'll... We took over Majido. Is that, again? I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but that's what we we took it over. Somebody in the comments, I think, of our last cast was like, "You guys didn't say Magito right." <laughs> no, he was like, he was like, I'm sure you pronounce Magito the same way you say the word GIF or GIF. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Magito, Magito, Magito. Either way, yeah. we, we 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 conquered it, and that's what matters. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so thank you for calling us out on it. I have no idea how it's actually pronounced. Yeah, me uh, either, actually. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I guess we'll we'll do that in the next video. Me and David uh, have talked, I think, a little bit about where we're going to attack. A wee bit. Um, we'll probably just do that in DMs. And I'm going to uh, do like some cool graphics with the map to, so that everybody knows where we're at as far as that's concerned. Um, but congratulations on your win. The rebels are now up 13 to 11 in planets. So that's cool. If there's, uh, if there's one thing I could, <laughs> if there's one thing I could say about this video that Mike's going to have, it is an example of how to play TTS fast. Cause Mike and I, we like zoomed through this game. Um, maybe it's just cause we were having fun and, and joking around and, and, and you know playing lists that we were somewhat familiar with but but mike we finished that game in like what two hours <laughs> like yeah ish. with with deployment <laughs> yeah with deployment yeah we, we were just speeding along um i think we played five or six turns so yeah i know. think we played uh almost all the way through five yeah until uh, we called it yeah um but it was a lot of fun it's very possible to play a game in two hours even on tts oh absolutely I don't want to get on a tangent, but let's just say I understand. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I was playing super precise. Had it been a tournament or something, I probably would have been a little bit more methodical. Um, yeah. You know. But, yeah. I mean... It, yeah. Well, I know you wouldn't have brought three Death Troopers. <laughs> well, I mean, that's... that's besides the point. You also weren't allowed to bring in a unique characters, which we might be in that position this time around. That is true. That is very fair. Um, it's most likely Kyle, so it's going to be like a 14 act like triple FD. Like it's going to be He's going to bring a 15 activation list. He's going to be like, here's my snipers. Here's my three FD turrets. For the Here. record, I did, I did talk Zach out of Tauntauns. Okay. I would have been a, yeah. Tauntauns. I think would have been a great matchup. You also talked me out yeah. of like double Pathfinder too. I was trying. I was doing some jank in there. I think <laughs> what I said is, if you want to run jank, you should run Pathfinders. <laughs> I did. I did have some funky lists going on. I had some. Uh, I thought about because I was concerned about the ATST play. I was just concerned about it. I, uh, had I brought the ATST, I think you guys would have been dead. Uh, just yeah, to I think clear. I think I would have been in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the ST would have given you quite a challenge. Yeah, there, there was a, there was a list with like a bunch of ion troopers and um, yeah, <laughs> like three laser ATRTs, something like that. Yeah. It was yeah, it was double MPL triple ATRT uh, yeah. with lasers. Oh my gosh, you guys! <laughs> you know, I cannot believe three death trooper units cost like three hundred and fifty points. It is absurd. I just I say this a couple of times in the video because like I'm I'm coming off playing full arcs, okay? And I gotta say something is wrong. 
<laughs> it is not close. <laughs> and I was upset. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the words, man, death troopers need impervious or something came out of his mouth about yeah. every, every time every time my sniper shot him. I was like I was like, what do you mean? I have to recover to use my guns? What? 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 What is this? That came up. That came up big a couple times, actually. It did. I was yeah. just. Like, I was like, this is terrible. Like, yeah. What? Oh man. Um. Yeah. But I can't take the aim action to get my aim token. Yeah. You. You mean I can't? I can't use the dodge tokens on that other unit to not take damage? Are you? Are you sure? Are you? Are you sure? Uh. Yeah. No. It. Um. All right. Yeah. Every conversation ends up being about our troopers. Um, okay. <laughs> just like just like in a previous way, every conversation ended up being about Tauntauns. Yeah. Right. Uh, no. No. I think we should close something out. Um, so we will do our our moves offline and, and let people know somehow in a video or something. I guess. Yeah, we can talk about it next time. Uh, we're we're trying out the a new video thing. I don't. I can't actually quickly switch screens right now. So. Um, it's possible uh, that this podcast may or may not be on video. <laughs> yes, that is very true. We're trying something new. Uh, we'll see how much of a wizard I am. If this isn't on video, I have failed. <laughs> I trust in your wizardry skills. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. I'm Haggard. You're a wizard, Barry. <laughs> Wow. All right. Um, stay fresh. She's back. Goodbye.